Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. One of the things that I've been including this year in some of the podcasts, not every episode, but in some of the podcasts, is to bring up emotions, the words, and define them here. So to help you expand or grow we'll say cultivate your emotions, vocabulary, the words that we use really matter. I talk about that here a lot. Our emotions are part of our mindset. We have thoughts, we have stories, right? Which then help us dial up our feeling states and being able to understand them and identify when I'm coaching clients, I'm often asking how they are feeling. And one of the things is that we all have a very limited emotions list. I've talked about this over and over again. I'm going to continue to talk about it. We can grow it. We can learn more. We can expand our vocabulary, which actually helps you see the invisible. It helps you connect with your body and what's going on and to pay attention to things that may be okay or may not be okay, as well as helping you understand more in life right? It's just another way to help you get clarity. It's not perfect, but to get this emotional language is going to be really beneficial. So Atlas of the Heart is written by Brene Brown, and I call it encyclopedia. We're constantly opening up with my clients, reviewing it, looking at it. A few weeks ago, I had a client who went through a pretty traumatic event following a national traumatic event. And I was asking her how she was feeling and the words that came up was sad right? She was sad. There was fear. And one of the things that I invited her to do after a session was to go back to Atlas and open up this chapter six and to take a look at those different words in the language. And at our next session, she's like, you know, Corinne, the words that we use matter. And when I started reading the chapter, I started to cry. There's all these feelings that are underneath, right? And being able to give One of the things is processing emotions can happen when we have the terminology in being able to develop emotional understandings allows us to be resilient. It's not more emotional. That's what we think is going to happen. And that's where we get afraid, but having that capacity to feel our feelings and release it so that we don't blow or it doesn't take us down. Even in Ted Lasso last night, there was some talk about that too, right? And they, and so it's so, so important for us to understand our emotions, not because Ted Lasso, but I was just thinking about how we're getting this information out more and more in the world and it's coming across in different avenues. And so here it is. So today I wanted to talk about awe and wonder to kind of prep you as we go into this topic of, do you dare to grant yourself permission to care deeply for yourself? And the reason for on wonder is it's definitions, it's words for us to get more familiar with because we are so, you know, spent a lot of time talking about shame on the show, vulnerability, right? But why not talk about delightful feelings? And they can also be really scary too, right? To feel really good can be scary. So 
something that Rachel Carson wrote in The Sense of Wonder, and Brene shared it in Atlas on page 58. Rachel says, if I had influence with the good fairy who is supposed to preside over the christening of all children, I should ask that her gift to each child in the world be a sense of wonder so indestructible that it would last throughout life as unfailing antidote against the boredom and disenchantment of later years, the sterile preoccupation with things that are artificial the alienation from the sources of our strength. I'm going to go through the definitions of how Brene has it defined in the book. So she shares what researchers Ulrich Weger and Johannes Wegman explain. Wonder inspires the wish to understand. Awe inspires the wish to let shine, to acknowledge, and to unite. Think about that. Inspiring the wish to understand. That's wonder. Inspiring the wish to let shine, to acknowledge, and to unite. That's awe. There's so much turmoil in the world, and there's so much polarization, and families are struggling, relationships are struggling, right? So many environments, there's struggle. And if we could bring wonder and awe as we work on solving problems, figuring things out, coming to solutions, right? How could that change us? How could that change the situation? How would we show up differently? They go on to say, when feeling awe, we tend to simply stand back and observe to provide a stage for the phenomenon to shine. In wonder fuels our passion for exploration and learning, for curiosity and adventure. And my invitation for you today as I go into talking about the permission to care deeply for yourself, my invitation is if you could come at it from a place of wonder and awe instead of, oh, well, that won't work for me. Here's all the reasons why and shutting it down and armoring up. So one of the things that in this permission to care deeply for yourself, that's a compassion practice, right? Again, it's a tool that I've learned from Brene and I've used and integrated. It's in the Daring Way work, Rising Strong, the Dare to Lead work, right? It's in all the work that we do with my clients. And I got this permission to care deeply for myself because it was on a reflection from one of my clients this week of that was what she was committing to herself. And I was like, this is fantastic. The permission to care deeply for myself. Whoa, that is huge, right? So many of us have been programmed to put ourselves last and to take care of everybody else. And then with whatever we have left over, to take care of ourselves. So permission slips is really important because part of it is, it's a compassion practice. Part of it is you granting permission to yourself, you being the leader of your life, instead of doing what other people tell you you're supposed to do, instead of doing, you know, what you should do, what cultural programming, what your adult parents tell you to do, what your grandparents, what your boss, but it's about you giving yourself permission And it's also taking responsibility. It's so important that we give ourselves permission instead of waiting for what other people think, right? This is the, I haven't talked about it in a long time, but approval whoring. Oh, I need to do this because this is what somebody else wants me to do versus getting our own approval, being proud of ourselves. 
And then this idea of the permission to take care of ourselves and do it deeply is so important because we need to fill ourselves up. And for many of us, this also helps with the unlearning of doing what we're supposed to do or what we should do. And instead, we're giving ourselves, like I said, agency and being the leader of our life. So my client who wrote this on her reflection to me the day of our session, you know, she's a leader, she's a mom, and she's working on unlearning a lot of cultural programming, duty, working really hard, you know, grinding, putting herself last. So you may be asking like, okay, I I get that, but what does caring deeply for myself look like? So I'm going to give you some examples because some of you may have this obstacle of like, oh, caring deeply is, you know, it, it involves luxury and that's not possible with my budget or my time, right? Or it's this big thing and I don't even have time to do that, nor do I have the brain juice to be able to even figure this out. So I'm going to give you some ideas, some examples so that you can go and create your own idea baby. And as I was coaching a client today, it is okay. Give yourself permission to take any of these ideas here. If they light you up and you're like, wow, and go and use them. You don't have to create your own unique thing, right? We get inspired by others, by what we hear, by what we see, by what it is that they do. It's not stealing, right? It's about getting inspired by somebody else's point of view. We may not have the words for it, but then when we hear it, we see it or we're going, oh, that's allowed or oh, that counts as well. So here are some examples of what it looks like when you give yourself permission to care deeply for yourself. Going on a walk, right? That's free. It takes some time going on a walk. Maybe I like, I think about when my kids were really little. I remember that and this is how I met fr- my friend Trudy, who has been on my show. She helped me celebrate, I think, the 16th anniversary. And I remember I knew her from preschool, but I remember that day when I like really met her and our friendship really began, I was so delighted because I was going to the grocery store without any children, without anyone else. It was all by myself. That was caring deeply for me with the given constraints that I had in my life right? To be able to go there and to explore the grocery store. And what I recall is that I had a bit of space and time. It wasn't like I had only 20 minutes and had to get out. Like I had some space. And so to be able to do that by myself and to just hear my own brain and to be able to have a conversation with a parent. And it was short because she had her kids there. So she had a very different experience than I did, but that can be caring deeply for yourself. It can be being outside. And one of the things I'm going to do today, once I'm done recording these shows, is I'm going to go sit outside. I'm going to read a book out on my picnic table outside and enjoy some vitamin D sunlight and read. That is something that is going to be caring deeply for myself. Maybe you live in a place that still has snow and it's about going out into the snow. Maybe it's going skiing. One of my best friends lives up in Big Sky, Montana. And she's been skiing a lot, right? And this week it's been fantastic because not a whole lot of people have been in town. Or maybe it's like laying down in the snow and doing snow angels. If that is deeply caring for yourself, that is okay. That is for you. It would not be for me because my hands and feet are freezing as I do this show for you. It can be receiving the love and energy from your dog, right? Your dog comes over and wants to be pet or wants to sit with you. 
and you can feel the love and the energy from your animals, a dog, a cat. Another way of caring deeply for yourself can be saying no to a meeting that's not necessary. And I realize you may say, Corinne, I can't do that. It's so important to have the discernment because not everyone in our workplaces have the discernment. One of my clients had a company send her a, a meeting request for two hours. And it was to go through some of their software. And this company supported her company in the software. And one of the coaching things that we did was, because she was like, I don't really want to do this meeting. I don't have the bandwidth. You know, the last thing she wanted to do was put a two-hour meeting on her calendar. So one is to ask for what she needs of, is it possible to do the meeting in an hour? And if it's not, and it's necessary to have two hours of a meeting, is it possible to do two one-hour meetings? Because right now, I don't have the capacity for a two-hour meeting. That's the rumble. That's where it gets really, really uncomfortable, right? Because you're asking for what you want. You have cultural programming of who are you to do this? You can't, you can't be difficult. You can't be too much. You can't be a diva, whatever those small beliefs and making you small, let that go and give yourself permission to ask for what you need. That is an example of caring deeply for yourself. Here's some other examples. And I'm giving you this list so that There may be something in here and maybe it's the exact thing or maybe you're like, oh, and you get an idea and a version for you that fits appropriately in your life. Some examples are sleeping, right? Being able to sleep. I have a client right now where the energy of her spouse is really, really hard. And so being able to ask for being able to sleep by herself, not because she's upset with her partner, but being able to have sleep. Again, that goes against cultural programming, right? Because if you really love this person, you're going to want to share a bed, you're going to want to share a room, and, but you have no space in your life. So that can be something. Another example can be journaling as a way of caring deeply for yourself. And maybe you're like another client of mine who's like, Corinne, I have such resistance to journaling, but I always know I feel so much better afterwards. Okay. There's no need to argue. There's no need to shit on yourself. The big thing is the fact that she owned her story about that is huge. And I think her her journaling future is going to be really bright. Not perfectly, not every day, but I do think there'll be more of a writing practice because she allowed herself to own it. So maybe that isn't yours for right now. Who knows what it will be in three months, a year, five years, 10 years. It can be sitting outside is caring deeply for yourself. Right now, Davis, California is fantastic in terms of being outside. We're in the spring. It's not really hot, hot, scorching hot. We've had a lot of rain, which has been unusual for us in California because we've always been in a drought for, I don't know, several years. So it's really quite delightful. It's really nice to be outside and to be a part of that. Getting the energy and seeing the green and watching things blossom right? So for you to take a look at your environment, it could be eating a meal outside. We had recently taken out our patio furniture and put it outside. And, you know, I often check in and go, is that where I want to eat? Whether it's my breakfast or my dinner. And a couple nights ago, I went outside and I had dinner and I was really, really cold having the dinner. And so last night I chose not to because I looked at it. There's a little bit of wind and I'm like, no, you know, as the weather gets warmer and I'm not as cold, I'll go outside and I'll eat out there or I'll have a cup of coffee. 
I did that last week and I made some coffee and I went and sat outside and sat on the bench and just enjoyed. Again, these are free. Like a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about of taking care of yourself, it doesn't take much time or doesn't take much money. Like my time for the coffee, it was about eight minutes or so. It wasn't this huge amount of time, but it allowed me to get settled with myself. I was connected with myself. I, I took in the environment. I wasn't on my phone. That's caring deeply. Notice none of these are, oh, answering emails or picking up my phone and seeing who I need to respond to. That's not caring deeply for myself. That's me. Maybe it is for you. It's not for me. Calling a friend can be caring deeply for yourself, right? That's something that I'm spending more time cultivating, especially being an empty nester, right? And especially putting more value on the relationships in my life where there were other, I, in the last few years, it was so much about work and so much about supporting the people that I was responsible for, either in, as a leader or as their coach. And so now it's about, okay, now it's making sure that I take deep care for myself and making sure that I fill myself up because I got a bit depleted over the last few years. Another, and this is so, so, so important, caring deeply for oneself It's about talking to yourself with kindness instead of that old critic's voice. I can't tell you how often in coaching sessions with clients, my clients get upset with themselves. Why didn't I see that sooner? I can't believe I didn't do this before. How come I didn't do this? Like, this is a key learning, right? You weren't ready. You may not have had the skill sets. You may not have had the systems built up, right? Maybe you didn't have the courage that had grown to the place where you could ask for what you needed. And that's okay. You're learning now. And I realize I've had clients that say, Corinne, compassion is weakness. My clients who are compassionate grow at a faster rate. Not that that's the be all and end all, right? But they do grow and change. And it's so beautiful versus when they beat themselves up and they're so hard on themselves, it really interferes with their involvement. And that's okay. That's part of the learning. I get it. Sometimes we can't see and we're so used to beating ourselves up. But talking to yourself with kindness instead of that old critic's voice, it doesn't mean like the phrase that I don't like, maybe I'll change my mind in five years, but it's fine. It's fine. Like I feel like that's armored, right? It's about like really owning this is what I did. These are the choices I made. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And unpacking that and being responsible for those choices instead of beating yourself up. It's like, wow. I mean, that's where like being a slow learner, I I came up with that a long time ago, probably 15 years ago. Like, oh, I'm a slow learner. It wasn't a slam. It was like, oh, I can learn things quickly intellectually, but to really get it in my bones, it takes me time and giving myself permission that it's okay to be a slow learner, right? That's okay and giving myself that space. So talking to yourself with kindness is so important to taking deep care of yourself. Owning your part, like I just mentioned, when you have a falling down moment and giving yourself grace, there's no sense in beating yourself up. It's not going to help you move forward. The other part is when you get to that space where you can forgive yourself, and there are certain arenas I'm really good about forgiving myself. There's certain areas I'm really like in this rumbling and reckoning right? And it's something that's just going on and there's key learnings and there's lots of feelings 
<laughs> there's anguish, right? There's despair. There's lots of feelings. And I'm working through those. And that's okay. There's growth that's happening, right? Not every moment's going to be this beautiful moment. So forgiving yourself in the arenas that you can and acknowledging the arenas that you can't for right now. Another example of caring deeply for oneself is putting lotion on your skin. 15 years ago, I would have thought, oh, caring deeply for myself is getting a manicure or pedicure or going to get a facial. I'm still not a big facial person, nor am I a manicure pedicure person. But putting lotion on my skin, especially as I've, you know, hit this age of 50 and my skin is changing, it is luxuriating to give myself that time to take care of myself and to say, hey, skin, you matter. I'm going to take care of you today so that hopefully you feel better or that you'll, you'll be better prepared, you know, in the next 20 years because I've nourished you now. And it doesn't mean doing it perfectly every day. Another way of taking care of yourself is giving yourself time in the morning to have time to get the things you want done. So whether it's food or movement, coffee, we all know coffee is really big for me. This system is very much set up in my life to have coffee. For a person who did not have time and couldn't do a whole lot of things, I learned this skill set very early on. And I have have had really complicated coffee routines that have taken up to like 15, 20 minutes to make a cup of coffee, depending on which style, whether it's the AeroPress or the pour over. I now have an espresso machine, so it's actually much quicker. But that coffee was the first practice of making time for myself in the morning that wasn't an adrenaline rush or I must do this because I signed up for this exercise or I have this trainer or I have this friend. It's like, this is what support means for me. This is something that's delightful for me. And in that, I've been able to create then a practice of making sure I have food. That way I'm well nourished to serve my clients, to do my work. You know, then the other practice that I've really been incorporating and I'm really delighted about is the movement. I'm back to lifting weights. I had stopped lifting weights for a while and I don't even know how long, but since December, I've back to lifting weights and And I do that in the morning. And here's the interesting thing, like by writing this down. So I wrote this podcast yesterday and I came up with these ideas and I have a really full day today. There was still some work, but my brain was fried last night. So I was done and I needed to get up early and I didn't know like, would I get up early or not? And I kid you not, I woke up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, got up, did my exercise. I was ahead of the game. I'm really liking this being ahead. I have to be careful that I don't go into being perfect or highly, highly productive, right? Because then I can tap back into that adrenaline and I don't want to do that. But giving myself time, I had a lot of time this morning to get the stuff that I needed to get done to take care of me and then to be ready to take care of those, my clients and the people that I had commitments to. So another one that can be relatively free or inexpensive is doing puzzles. Like if that's deeply taking care of yourself, that's delightful, right? Allowing that space and that time and that soft focus and harsh, you know, soft focus as well as deep focus to happen, going in and out, being in the really like in that little wiggly line moment and pulling out and seeing like the whole puzzle. Those are delightful. And I love to listen to audiobooks. I have a friend right now. He's had this uh, puzzle out since Hanukkah's wife got it for him. And I was at their house the other day and 
it's been on pause and I'm so delighted because they have like a puzzle table right in this one room. And I was like, wow, how cool is that? And so I said, look, I'll come over and do it as long as, and I did say some conditions. I was like, as long as I don't have to do it perfectly or there's a timeline, right? And he's like, it's impossible. I'm like, ah, there's pieces. We'll put it together, right? I'm willing to try. Like that is a, a playground. It could be fun because I get to connect with my friends. I can listen to podcasts, right? There's lots of different things that I can do, but that is deeply taking care of me. My younger self would have been like, well, what does that have to do with like being a better coach or being a better professional or making money or being a better mother? It's taking care of me. And when I take care of me, what I've learned is I do a much better job of taking care of others. I used to think I need to take care of others and then eventually find something for me and then get really pissed off because I was so exhausted. Paint by numbers. I haven't done that in a long time, but that is another example of deeply taking care of oneself. And I have a client who paints with friends, is in a painting class with a friend and loves to go and do that. And there's the connection, there's the outing to go and do that. There's the creative work, right? And then she displays it on her social media accounts and it's fun. Another way of deeply taking care of oneself is creating a space you love in your home for you, for no other person than for you. And you'd be like, that's so selfish, Corinne. I can never do that. We're talking a corner. Maybe it's your side of the bed and either putting on sheets that delight you, having your pillows be a certain way, but creating a space for you in your home, having a space that's there to support you, even amongst the chaos, the shit shows, all of that stuff. What is that space that you can have? It could also be eating on a plate you enjoy. And really, there's some stuff I'm really deliberate about. Like there's certain plates that I like to eat off of and I just like the way it looks. It brings me joy. Again, like this one plate that I, it's not my most expensive plate. It's something that I actually got at World Market. I like it. It was different and I really like it. My husband doesn't like that plate. That is okay. He eats off the other plates. I really enjoy this. It is delightful for me. The other thing I do is I drink from my favorite coffee mugs, right? Or I drink from my favorite drinking receptacles. I spend a lot of time, you know, I love coffee. I drink water, you know, and I stand there when I make my coffee in the morning and I look at the different mugs and a lot of them have words. Most, I think they all have words on them. It's kind of my thing, right? And I think about like, what's the message that I want to remind myself of? I may not look at that mug again later in the day, but in that moment, I made that decision, right? And it delights me. And so today's mug says, be true, right? And that's interesting because like most of the mugs are in the dishwasher right now. So it was be true or be strong. And I chose between those two. I have another mug that I have that I've given to a bunch of clients I saw one of my clients drinking from it today. That one doesn't fit in my espresso machine, so I haven't used it as much. I have a workaround, but I didn't want to do that. So I chose the be true. Those are ways of taking care of myself. Not everybody in my household understands why I have these things, but they delight me, right? Maybe you like pretty coffee mugs or tea cups. What is it that delights you? What is it that is an example of you caring deeply for yourself? And I get it. There are obstacles to giving ourselves the permission to care deeply for ourselves, right? Many of us believe that we're not allowed to, 
or we believe or have been told that it will cost too much money. It gave a lot of examples of things that don't actually cost money. And I also gave examples of consumer goods that you can go and buy. And there's lots of opportunities of how you want to, you know, do you want to go to a thrift store? Do you want to go to, you know, some lower end store, something that's really expensive? It's about what aligns for you with your values, with your priorities, with your finances. They're all choices. We've also been taught to believe that one day you'll be able to do it, but not right now. Right. And I did that belief for a really long time where I was taking care of everybody else. I was working really hard. I was like, okay, one day I'll have time for me. One day I'll have time for me. We need to make time for ourselves, ideally every day. Right. And sometimes that may look like five minutes. Sometimes that may be look like more time. Last Sunday, you know, I had a delightful morning to myself for three or four hours. It was delightful. Right. And I hadn't had that in a long time. And I'm not saying that was the reason to have it. I just hadn't had that. And it was so delightful to be with myself. It can take a small amount of time or a large amount of time. You get to choose and determine based on what constraints you have. And we've been told, because we've been told that, you know, caring deeply for ourselves takes too much time, but it doesn't have to. What are some of your obstacles? Write them down so you can see them. And then... For each of the ones that you have, you can find a way through. You can find a way of overcoming your obstacles. My invitation for you today is to give yourself permission to care deeply for yourself and start your list. Take some of the things that I mentioned here today and continue to add it to your list. And remember, it's an ever evolving process. What may sound good here? may not be as good for you, right? It may, you may go and do and go, Ooh, I didn't really like that. You may try it a few times and still really not like it. That's okay. You get to choose. You get to decide. And often we won't know until we experiment and test it out. This is the part of bringing it to life and making tangible. This is the beauty and it's messy, right? It's not the most productive or efficient, but there's the learning and the growth. And this is the awe and the wonder right? That's my invitation for you. So my friend, grant yourself permission to care deeply for yourself. And before I go, remember, I work with leaders, professionals, and entrepreneurs. And if you or someone you know would benefit from working with me to be the leader of your life or to go and create some wins in your life and work or relationships, go to howshereallydoesit.com and click work with Corinne. We'll also have this in the podcast page as well. All right, my friend, I'm smelling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things. But you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. 
Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.